What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I'm your host, DC. And of course, I got my co-host here with me, Locke. Hey, what's going on, everyone? So, on today's episode, there's quite a few interesting things going on in the world of the UFC. Um, A lot of things going on right now, but one of the big things that just got announced that I kind of want to talk about first is... There was an announcement that Nathan Diaz will be fighting Kamzat Chemaev. And for a lot of reasons, many people, including myself, thought that this fight would never happen. And Nate Diaz even said multiple times, this fight wasn't going to happen. But it's announced and it has a date and it's at, uh, what is it, UFC 279. So... Of course, I wanted to talk about it. So, before I actually ask you any questions about this preposterous fight, <laughs> I want to get any insight or your thoughts when you kind of heard that the fight, you know, they made this fight. So, I've been waiting on pins and needles for a Nate Diaz fight announcement for a long time, especially since I read something recently that I said he had like a like a time limit uh, clause in October. So I'm like, okay, I know they have to fight him before October. Then they're not going to let him walk. It's got to come. And there was a couple Nate Diaz fights that I was fairly excited, you know, to watch. And not only is this not one, I was very disappointed when this was the, fight announcement they made this is the second most disappointed i've ever been in a nate diaz fight announcement yeah i think you and everybody else was disappointed in this one and i don't think anybody saw it coming um i mean the fight that everybody wanted to see for some reason i'm sure the comzot fans love it i'll get to that (laughs) right but um yeah i i think with um you know nate also mentioning that they were trying to make the um, the Connor fight, and for some reason he said that that fight wasn't going to happen. I'm not sure why he didn't want that fight to happen. That one was a little confusing to me because I think it was the fight one that not only everybody wanted to see, it would probably have been the most fun fight for him on his exit, and to you know have a chance where he can kind of put a stamp on the end of his UFC career. So to not want that fight, I didn't quite understand it, but literally right after he talked about that, I think it was only a couple days, you know, later when the comes out fight was announced. So curious though, since you had mentioned a couple other people, who else were you thinking about that you would have loved to see him fight on that exit? So, obviously, the Connor fight I thought was good. I would have liked to have seen that. Uh, I would like the Dustin Poirier fight, because we had been teased that one before. I thought that would be an interesting fight. I I kind of like a Tony Ferguson fight. I think that's a good fight for both guys. I feel like it would have been a lot of fun, so that that's one I like, too. And honestly, even though it's not one I wanted to see, I would rather see Nate versus George than this fight. Yeah, no, I like those, and um, I didn't really think about him versus Ferg, but yeah, I like. I think that would have been a good one. But um, to touch on what you were saying, Kamzat fans like it. If I was a Kamzat fan, which I I do like him, but I wouldn't call myself a fan, right? Um, I wouldn't like this fight because I just think it's, I think it's a fight that everybody expects you to win and win big and to get upset in this fight could completely derail your career 
because this nobody even thinks that this fight should be made, right? And you just came off of fighting, you know, at the time, the number three guy that's number four now, right? Um, what value is it other than just having an example of trying to look good since you had a tough fight last time? What value really comes out of fighting a guy that's not even in the top 15? I don't even think Nate's in the top 20, right? Like, where's the where's the value in that? Yeah, I feel like as a for Kamzat, it's a very boxing esque kind of move. Like that's how boxing careers go. Like if you have a if you squeak out a brawl of a fight, you're definitely looking for you know something a little bit easier next time. So I think it's a it's a very boxing approach to taking a fight. Um, I think if you're Kamzat, obviously for him, he's confident he's going to win. Um, and I think it's some good exposure. You know, Nate Diaz is a big name. So for some reason, beating Nate Diaz catapult you, which, you know, I, I don't know if I like it, but I definitely get what you're saying in that it is a high risk, low reward type of fight. Because if, if you, if you win, it doesn't do much for you as far as standings go but it does look really bad on your record. But I think the thing is, is even though it doesn't do much for him from a strictly fighting ranking standpoint, I think it does a lot for him as far as like name recognition and, and probably trip to the bank. You know, he's probably making awfully good money for the fight and it's going to help him out name wise. So I think that's probably why he's willing to do it. The, f- the funny thing is, I don't even think um, name wise, it'll help him that much because I think, He's already grabbed a big name in the sport, right? Um, I don't think that Nate Diaz is the, and, and this is probably going to, most people would probably disagree with this, but I don't think that fighting Nate Diaz gives you the type of name recognition that people think. Because I think Nate Diaz is still kind he's like the top of the heap for hardcore fans, in my opinion, Right. If you name that and talk to the average person on the street that doesn't watch MMA or that's brand new, they do not know who Nate Diaz is. It's not like he's Conor McGregor or somebody like that. So I still just don't think that he gets that big a bump in fighting somebody like Nate Diaz, especially when his name itself has already garnered a huge buzz. Well, I, I guess I disagree on that a little bit. I think he's more of I think where you put Nate in fight fighters' eyes or in fans' eyes is more where Kamzat is, and I think Nate is more the bottom of the heap of the mainstream fan mainstream fans. I don't think he's up there, you know, with with Connor. Um, but I think he's a name that people know without knowing that, you know, he's got 13 losses or whatever. Um, so I think, I think he's a little bit more mainstream. I think that changed after the Connor fight. So I think there's definitely some name recognition. I mean, we're kind of arguing semantics on that, but, um, either way, I'm just trying to think of a bunch of different ways to say, I really fucking hate this fight. (laughs) yeah no i I agree and this is the thing i could put him at the bottom of mainstream or the top of because to me that's like saying okay is it an a minus or a b plus it's right there in the in the same realm it's just not in my opinion when you are really looking for a big bump you're looking for a name that's like that transcends the sport Right. Like what Ronda Rousey did at a certain point in time where you say, okay, if I fight this person, this really jumps me up. But I just don't think once again, Kamzat is that far away. I'm not saying he's as high as 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 Nate, but I'm saying the difference since he's gotten this huge buzz and a big push by the UFC on everything. I mean, anything you watch MMA, MMA related, sports related his name's going to come up, right? So I just don't think it's that big of a gap. And then you combine that with him being uh Muslim, all of the Muslim brothers, you know, this is the new Khabib. 
everybody I know that you know that's Muslim, they they are so high on Kamzat, right? So he has that whole you know brotherhood, no pun intended, behind him, which is huge all over the world, right? So, um, and him already being from another country, the same way Connor was, and they already grow where they're from, right? And then they get that U.S. audience, it starts to get bigger and bigger. So I just don't think that he's that far away from a Nate Diaz where, once again, not saying there's not any value in this fight, but I just don't see enough value where this fight makes sense if I'm Kamzat. Well, I think the two things, and I am playing devil's advocate because I get what you're saying. I'm not really trying to argue with you, but... um. You know, yes, two, two things. <laughs> One is, I don't think, I think it's the safest fight out of anybody that brings that kind of name recognition. So to get any of the Nate, anybody else that's of a Nate Diaz caliber name recognition, you're going to be going into a much, much more dangerous fight. And I think with Nate Diaz, if you do win, you're guaranteed a a good bloody highlight reel, which uh, always plays a, you know well in reputation too. So, I mean, I think you know when you look at a chance, like I think this is a pretty safe, I think this is a pretty safe fight for the how big of a name he is, and he's gonna split open, and it's gonna make for a pretty awesome looking highlight film. I mean, that's the only thing I could be thinking. Or maybe he just doesn't really like him. I mean, Kamzat feels a little bit like one of those, you know, in uh, over in Europe, they call him hard men, you know, kind of a badass gangster type of dude. I mean, gangster's maybe the wrong term, but, you know, like, he's a, uh, he wants that smoke kind of guy. So maybe that's why he he's about that, that BMF life. Maybe that's why he wants Nate Diaz. Yeah, I just think, you know, this is the thing. Everything you said, I can't disagree with, but I'm, I still just look at the downside of it. Okay, all that's great, but if you take a loss to Nate Diaz, right? I mean, you know, I was one of the people that was already knocking him for how close the Burns fight was, and I was going for Burns, and I think Burns is an absolute stud. But if you remember, a big part of my argument was when you put up a certain persona similar to what you're mentioning right now, there are certain things that you can't do or certain fights, certain things that shouldn't be close, especially when you're going in against a smaller man, right? So, okay, it, that was a really good fight in which he did really good against a guy that was ranked number three. And once again, I'm one of those people that gave him a little knock for that. To me, his stock went down a little bit, not up. Mm-hmm. What happens if he loses to Nate Diaz? And it, it, it's not like, I mean, you know, it's not like Nate doesn't have the chance to take him into deep waters and he's probably going to try to wrestle with Nate and pull off a submission. It's not like that's not in the realm of possibility. Should it happen? No, this should be an easy fight for Kamzat. But is it possible? It's very well possible, right? So then what happens? Well, no, I I do agree. It is definitely possible. I mean, Nate is a fighter you can never count out. It's like these rivalry games. You know, we're in Michigan. So when Michigan, Ohio State play, Michigan, Michigan State plays, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're both, you know, six and, you know, five and five or whatever. You throw the records out. It doesn't matter. Any team can beat any team because it's a rivalry game. Nate's that kind of fighter that could beat you any time. But, I mean, kind of to your point, I don't know if you've seen the betting odds, but based on the betting odds, if I had to pick one of them to bet on playing the odds, I would 100% bet on Nate because plus 750 is probably the best value. Plus 750 on Nate Diaz, I don't care if it's against Thor. You know what I mean? That's a that's a decent bet. You know, you might want to put yeah. a little something on Nate Diaz plus seven fifty. I'm just saying. Yeah, it, see, if I was a betting man, I would, but I really don't. I used to be a big sports. I used to bet a lot on sports back in, when I was younger, but I was on this insane winning streak. Football. Uh, I used to do bet on college sports a lot. So college football, college basketball, and boxing. 
And then all of a sudden, I went on like a three losing streak. And I'm this is how I know I'm not a gambler. Most people say, oh, I'm just down. I just got to keep going until I c- come up, right? I said, oh, that's over. And I don't <laughs> think I've bet on a sporting event since then, unless it was like a friendly bet with somebody. Right. I have not bet money on an event since then. Well, uh, I do a lot of those friendly bets, like um, when we watch the fight, if our buddy Oscar is there, he wants to throw, you know, five on every fight as they come up. But that's not really betting on a fight because, you know, I took uh, I put five dollars on Michael Chandler, who I've never bet on or never liked just because it, it was a fuck Oscar bet, not a pro Chandler <laughs> bet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so those are the kind of bets that I will do. Um, I have said on this podcast before, do not take my advice and go bet on it. And if you do, don't come blame that shit on me. But if anybody knows anything about, a uh, like gambling with a gambling system, like professional betters and stuff, these odds, Comzat's odds minus 1100, those are kind of odds that kill a gambler. Like that breaks your whole bankroll. You know, it's too yeah, many it's units. And it's, you know, that's what happened with if Floyd Mayweather was to ever lose one, some gambler out there would go broke because you have to play so much to make any money off a of minus 1100. That's yeah. the kind of fight that's going to ruin some gambler's career. No more units. So you heard it here first. Locke said, go and bet the house on Nathan Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> this is Locke's coming out with Locke's picks. Um, <laughs> You have to join. It's going to be a hundred dollars a month to join. He'll give you uh he'll give you five picks a month on MMA events. You heard it here. I'll first. give you the five worst <laughs> picks on MMA events. That's why you got to pay to hear how bad of a pick I could really make for entertainment purposes only. Asterisk. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I mean. I'll tell you something interesting. I want to talk about this one thing before we move on to the next topic. So I watched a video with smiling Sam Alvey on his, um, on his TikTok, And he said, uh, you know, what Nate should do, and this would be great is to basically go into the fight. And as soon as, um, I guess the fight starts, just go ahead and tap and basically, take the dive don't even fight just tap and then give a big f you to the ufc and so i posted this in our little chat and um and you know one of the comments was that uh basically there's nothing in the contract that says that they have to fight which whether that's true or not i have no idea but before i give my opinion on this i want to know your opinion one, what do you think about the actual comment? What if that happened? How would you feel? Would you feel cheated? Would it be hilarious? And then two, just in general, if that did happen, what do you think the fallout would be? Uh, I mean, I can never get behind that. As as down as I am to see the UFC get fucked over, um, I'm a jock. You know, I have trained you know i fought a little bit i just i ain't got that in me i think nate diaz don't either i just can't uh i i feel like whoever said that's never earned a varsity letter you know like that's (laughs) that's that's uh some real i don't know but nate diaz i don't think could ever do that he loves to fight i mean he's down to get his head smashed in um so, uh, yeah, I think that's that's ridiculous. I mean, I like where the head, I like where their head is at, but not the execution. So it's not the idea; it's the execution that I don't like. And that um, the fallout, I don't know. I honestly think Dana White. I think he'd he'd get almost more press out of it than he would if it was a straight up war and. Now you got two. You don't have to deal with Nate Diaz anymore, and you get this big, you know, outcry of publicity or whatever. And uh, I think you know everybody'd move forward. Dana White, you, you know how they always say if there's a nuclear war, there would always still be cockroaches. Yes. Nate 
Nate Diaz could walk into that cage, tap out, flip everybody off, and leave without fighting. And Dana White would make somehow $100 million off that. Like, I just know it. <laughs> I didn't even think about that aspect, but I, I agree. And the comment I ended up making was that um, I think Dana would sue the shit out of him. And it does not matter if he'd win or not. You know, when you when you go up against people or corporations with big money, as we know, a lot of times they'll sue you just to tie up all of your time and resource all of your resources as far as money. So literally he can wrap Nate up in a lawsuit that would not only make it so that any money he got paid, <laughs> he would spend, but also possibly tie him up with a breach of contract lawsuit that could hold him up from being able to fight anywhere else for a year or two, just waiting on the outcome of that lawsuit. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it would be an all-around bad idea. I thought it was funny when I heard it, but uh, to your point, I, I I don't think Nate's that type of guy. I don't think he's going to channel his inner Bob Sapp. Uh, you know, I don't think that that that's him. Um, and, I, and what's how, a, what's ironic is that's coming from Sam Elvey, who think what you want about him his career or whatever. He's a go out on your shield kind of guy, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Like, yeah, he is. It's, and, it's bizarre. And Sam Avery, he shocked a lot of people. You know, he's had wins that I definitely didn't think that he was going to win. But to your point, yeah. But I think it was, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes people say, and it goes back to what you were saying initially, sometimes people say, you know, I hate the way the UFC does stuff so, so much. I wish somebody would just give him a big fuck you, right? And Nate is the right person to do it. And by them stringing things out with him on this contract, we know how long he's been waiting to get a fight. I think it was just probably conversations that people had where it's like, how can Nate give them one last big fuck you, right? And to, in my opinion, the biggest fuck you is beating Kamzat. I was going to say, that's how you give them the ultimate <laughs> fuck you, is you you beat Kamzat. Yeah, by stoppage too. Submit them. Yeah. Beat him and, by then, and then you you say again that you're still not surprised, and then <laughs> right. and then you go fight Jake Paul, and, and then you go not fight Jake Paul because Jake Paul lost to Hassan Rockman, and then now that fight's off the table too. Junior, you got to throw the junior in there. <laughs> no, he's gonna fight his dad. Oh, he's gonna. <laughs> That's hilarious. So Hasee Rockman Jr. is so mad about the dehydration clause, he's got to send his dad in the hand of the fight. <laughs> hey, you got to do what you got to do. So let's uh, move on to the next one. Something else that big happened. And this guy is one of my favorite all-time fighters in MMA. Uh, there was an announcement. It didn't come officially from Frankie Edgar. I saw it from a few different channels, but I guess, um, which I didn't even know he was represented, but at least what I remember I read, um, uh, Ali, um, and I always forget his, his, how to pronounce his last name. I'm disease. I, I apologize if I mispronounce. I go with um, Ali. Yeah. I said I leave first. So <laughs> yeah. I just leave it as oh, no, I, yeah. I know. Just I just Ali. drop it after that. I just say it yeah, like he's my buddy. Ali. Like, oh, yeah, yeah you know Ali. Because yeah. uh, everybody know Ali. He represents everybody, right. right? He's the biggest talker as far as management. Nobody talks shit like him, right? Uh, but it was said that uh, I guess Frankie wants this last fight. He wants one more fight. He wants to fight at Madison Square Garden, which, you know, that's kind of his neck of the woods, Jersey, New York. Um, and he wants this to be his retirement fight. So of course I wanted to, you know, kind of get your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I think I like a lot about this. So I think it's getting about that time for Frankie Edgar. Um, I'm going to try and tread lightly because I don't want holiday to have to come cut me or something i mean we live in the same <laughs> neck of the woods so i'm not really you know gonna be careful how i approach this but i i like frankie edgar but i think it's definitely getting about that time and i think you know the the, the losses are starting to pile up a little bit which is one thing i mean he's not to the point where he's embarrassed himself or took away from his legacy or anything but what i don't like 
and I feel like this is you talking. Like I hang out with you too much now, so now I'm like you're talking through my mouth. But I'm starting to rub off on you. When those losses start going from decisions to knockouts, uh, Frankie's been at this a long time. He is a guy that's definitely had some wars. So, I mean, I don't think he's a guy that's punchy now, but uh, if he's thinking it might be close to time, he's I'm ag- agreeing with him. And I think, yeah, he, he deserves it because he wants it at Madison Square Garden, which, fuck yeah. And I think he deserves a big fight, a big, you know, go out on your own terms kind of fight. So... I'm 100% with it. Like, uh, I hope it's a good matchup. I know he said he wanted Dominic Cruz. Um, that's the, to me, that's the toughest thing about retirement fights. I hate to see people. I'm a sensitive dude, you know, so I hate to see people go into these retirement fights and lose them, you know? Yeah. So that actually brings up one. Let me just touch on what you said. I I agree with everything you said. And once you start getting those KOs and whatnot, it becomes a different story. He's been in the sport for a long time. He's been in the UFC since 2007. And I remember when he was on, um, I want to say it was maybe his second or third fight in the UFC when he went on, um, he, you know how MTV back in the day used to do all those I want to be or whatever I am. Mm-hmm. And he was on an MTV, like, I'm a I'm a cage fighter or something like that. And it was, like, showing his life and everything. This was way before the UFC had anything like their, um, whatever they call it now, like, all of their behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, and um, I remember him back then, and he was the young, hungry kid kind of coming up. And we know he went through those, you know, fights of shocking the world. You know, I won't mention one to people, <coughs> BJ, because <coughs> I, I don't want any smoke, <laughs> you know. But uh, um, and then to your point now, it's like, uh, you know, it's the opposite. He's the older guy and a lot of people are making their names off of him. And, you know, I think that loss to uh, that loss to Vera was was a pretty crazy knockout and coincidentally uh him wanting to fight dominic cruz um that is um that is who uh vera's fighting next they have a fight schedule coming up right so um it'll be interesting how that one turns out particularly if cruz does lose that fight i think that fight makes could make sense for frankie but if cruz wins that fight cruz is on a three fight winning streak um i don't know that the frankie fight would be a fight that i would want to take if i was him uh kind of for the same thing that we were talking about even though you know frankie is still in the game so to speak uh you know just based on his recent history i don't know that that's a fight that you want to take if you're cruise um especially because so much of your game is your foot movement and frankie's movement is so awkward I think either one of you all can cause a problem with the other for that movement, right? That I don't know if that's one you want to take, but that brings along another question for me, for you. And it's kind of a, um, uh, kind of what do you think, or what do you prefer fighters do? So of course, in this case, he's calling for a retirement fight. So you usually see three different scenarios. You see a person call for a a retirement fight. You see a person retire in the cage, win or loss, right? Which is usually always a big emotional thing. And we've seen a few of those this year. Almost always after a loss more than a win. Yeah, I agree. Or you see that person that waits until after the fight, lose or win, and they kind of retire in the press, right? They do a press release, whether it's through their management or they say it, on Twitter or something like that, which we also what, just seen. That was how Jessica Pena did it or, or Jessica Penne. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you think um, just about those different forms of retirement? I completely understand that it's different with every fighter, every career, so many other choices um, and fighting is such an emotional thing that, you know, at different times you may feel very different, but what do you think about that? And Frankie's choice of, calling for specifically for a retirement fight. I like for fighters to be able to go out on their own terms. You know, I'm a, we, we've, 
the reason I don't like talking about fighter pay is because it always turns out I'm a commie, you know? So, you know, I'm always <laughs> pro fighter when it comes to any of this stuff. So I think Frankie Edgar deserves the opportunity to go out on his own terms. And if he wants a fight to ask for it. And I like that. Like, for example, a recent situation, Cowboy Cerrone really tried to fight Joe Lozon. They tried to do that twice. And it kept got, getting canceled. <clears throat> if he would have went into that as his retirement fight, win or lose, I'd have been comfortable with it. You know? Instead, that fight gets canceled. They give him the the Barbareno fight, or I'm not, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce his name, but originally he was talking about taking two more fights. But then mm-hmm. he gets that fight, and he loses, and then just says, fuck it, I'll retire in the cage. I would much rather see somebody decide that it's going to be their last fight and then approach it with that that way than to see them. Because I think there's a certain kind of fire you can find sometimes to push yourself to do it one more time, you know, one more round kind of thing. As opposed to doing it emotionally because you're just not getting it done and you don't love this no more and, and, and I'm just fucking done, you know? it's To me, that's always a little bit sad to see a fighter that wasn't talking about retiring decide to retire after a loss in a fight. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Um, I can see it both ways because I think usually if you retire in the cage, that really is kind of what was already on your mind. I think at that point you already had one foot in and one foot out. And I do believe like what Dana says, I don't think that, The fight game is one of those where you can have one foot in and one foot out because it's such a game of, you know, microseconds and millimeters and having that doubt in a fight is very dangerous. Right. And well, I mean, even way before Dana, Mob Deep said there's no such thing as halfway crooks. (laughs) I mean, come on. That's when true. Dana right, Dana owes royalties to Bob D. <laughs> when you're right, you're right, motherfucker. <laughs> but um, you know, the one thing that I love about being able to call it is because to your point, you may be able to muster up something that you know you don't have or can't do day in or day out, but you can muster it up this one last time. And I I'll, I'll take it over to basketball. And you think about Kobe's last season where everybody, you know, he announced everybody knew he was going to retire and he put on a show. And in particular, if you remember the very last game, he went out and put up like 60 or something. I forget. It was some insane and everybody just couldn't believe it. Right. And I forget somebody beforehand. I think it was Shaq or somebody he talked to beforehand was like, hey, I want such and such out of you tonight. And, you know, part of a big part of why he was retiring was because his body was slowly breaking down. It's getting older, just all these different factors. But he was able to muster up enough to put on a phenomenal show for his last uh, game, you know, before retirement. And I think it's easier to pull that off. And you're going to get way more people there and way more crowd attention to throw energy into you to allow you to pull that off when everybody knows that that's what it is. If that game, if everybody doesn't know he's retiring one, I don't think he has the the kind of crowd that he has for that game. And two, I doubt that he's trying to really put on that last, last show where he's willing to sacrifice everything to put it on because it's just another game. And then the next season he just says, Oh, I'm not coming back. Right. Um, so I definitely like it. Like you said, I, I, I love that, but I also completely understand why a lot of people doing it in, in the ring when they kind of one foot in and one foot out. Well, yeah, if, you know, I guess I would rather you do that, especially if you're on the main card or you're in a situation. How, I mean, it was really cool. I, I said uh, I said that Barbarino or whatever, but I guess Cowboy actually lost to Jim Miller. Um, but Jim Miller gave let Cowboy talk first because it was on the like undercard, so Cowboy wouldn't have got to talk at all, and he yeah, let him right. have his moment to you know kind of give his retirement speech and stuff. And I would rather I would rather a fighter get to do it in the cage after a loss and tr- 
at least have their moment than do it a week and a half later on Twitter. I feel like that's the worst option out of all of them. That's very anticlimactic because now the, the, the same results happen, but you didn't get your moment. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's almost like I feel strongly, you know, fighters put a lot into that and, in, you know, into what they put in the cage. Even people that, even if I don't like who they are as people or whatever, you kind of respect what they do and what it even takes to, to take that walk. You know what I mean? And uh, I feel like, Anybody that's kind of done it, you kind of deserve that moment to of closure when you're done with it. Yeah, I agree. Um, that would be the choice that I would choose, though, because I don't want all the attention. You know, I would be like, I'll wait until everything simmers down and just let my manager announce it. You know, I don't need all I don't even know how we're friends. <laughs> Do everything literally different. Like, hey, you can agree on anything. <laughs> Like yeah, just just put it out there. Let the people know. <laughs> I'll be, your uh, your, man, I'll your manager out. sends out a tweet two weeks later. I'm for sure crying in the cage. For sure. I'm going. I'm going to hang out with uh 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 what's his name next? Um, shoot, what is his name? The real estate agent in in New Jersey. Oh, New York, uh, why uh, am I blanking uh, on his name now? I like Quinta. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Tell my manager just put something out. I'm going to do real estate. <laughs> Dude, the top number one, no question, pound for pound realtor in the world. Al Quinta. I'll put him up against any other realtor you got. Absolutely. Yep. My, my, I'll, I'll start back shit out for of that. <laughs> but just to throw this out there, and, um, you know, I'm thinking we might even need to do a, a falling goat on Frankie, especially by this being the end. But just to throw out there for people that really don't know or kind of start watching, you know, now that it's toward the end of his career, just to talk about some of his uh, notable fights and whatnot, because he's fought everybody. Uh, but. Just to actually, I'll just throw out their wins. Um, he's beat Jim Miller, Tyson Griffin, Sean Shirk, BJ Penn, Gray Maynard, the current lightweight champion, Charles Oliveira, Chad Mendez, Jeremy Stevens, Yair Rodriguez, who, you know, even before, uh, you know, um, the unfortunate injury that uh, just happened with Ortega was looking really good in that fight. Um, and Pedro Munoz, and that's not even to name all the big names that he's actually fought. That's just notable wins, but, you know, the guy is, you know, uh, uh, he's a phenomenal fighter, and unfortunately, you he's... Hermes Franca, who, well, that see, sounds funny throw... now at the time, yeah. he, was, he was a legit, uh, yeah. you know, legit hard out at the time. Yeah, I didn't throw him or... Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Sean. Sean wait, Shirk. Wait. No, Sean Shirk. I said um, no. It was, um, or not Sean? What's Sam? Hold on. Uh, Cup Swanson. I'll tell you one second. Nope. Spencer Fisher. I didn't oh, throw either one of them in, but Spencer Fisher was a big name back in the day too. But I figure the person that I'm talking to. They wouldn't know some of the other. They absolutely wouldn't know who either one of those those guys were. But um, but yes, and um, but you know, point being, he he he, you know, he really went out there and he was kind of the undersized guy, and and he was fighting, you know, in the UFC, one of those people that went to the big dance before those smaller weight classes uh, came, and he was fighting much bigger men at 155 and won and defended the belt at 155 before eventually moving down. So, you know, flowers off to him. Hopefully he can get, if not the cruise fight, another fight that he wants. Um, and to your point, uh, you know, hopefully he can go out with a good win or at least a really good showing that, that would be, you know, worthy of his retirement. Anything else on that one before we move on? <clears throat> Um, no, no, I, uh, I did, but I forgot. So <laughs> no worries. So another announcement. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's what I was going to say. Um, like you kind of touched on it, but that's the big thing with Frankie Edgar. If when he, you, you mentioned he had been in the UFC since 2007, if they had had a featherweight, let alone a bantamweight division that whole time. 
who knows potentially what his career could have been because to have won that lightweight title in hindsight is so impressive. You know, it, it's really impressive what that is. And then when you talked about that, uh, that the MTV show, you know, yep. Mm-hmm. It was it was really funny to watch it, like in hindsight, what like the Jersey Shore vibes that Frankie Edgar had for one. But yes, there's that episode, and there is the um, I don't know if you remember the Tap Out show, um, when they had their own that show. Sounds familiar, but it doesn't. It sounds familiar, but I'm not picturing it. Well, so they would do the same thing. They drove around in like their RV, and they would go to like a random town and sponsor a fighter. I do remember, and yes. uh, you know, and one of them was Cowboy Cerrone. And it's just when you look at Frankie Edgar on an MTV show, Cowboy Cerrone on this tap out show, you know, like yeah. on a regional fight, and then you see what their careers are. For one, that's crazy. For two, fuck, we're old, man. Yeah, that's that's true. When the guys you saw come into the sport are retiring, you might be old. <laughs> that's hilarious. But yeah, I didn't know about the uh, cowboy thing. That's hilarious. Okay, so next thing that got announced, which a lot of people were Big happy announced for. Week. Yeah, it was. A lot of people were happy for it. And this is one of the fights that when we were kind of talking about um, the last episode where we were talking about the um, the lightweight division, this is one of the fights that we kind of talked about that when we looked at the landscape and matchups, this probably made the most sense, even though, as you know, I did not like it. And that was Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev. So thoughts on that one? So this is the opposite of the Kamzat Nate announcement this one i love yes like, I, I was nervous they were gonna go in a different direction and fuck it up and it become one of those fights that we never got um uh islam opened as the betting favorite which uh did he really yeah i did not know that that's yeah. that's interesting islam's I'll the betting favorite that. so <laughs> um that's that's crazy, but yeah, I'm excited for this fight. I think it was the right decision, and uh, I think Oliveira is going to beat his ass. Yeah, I'm surprised he opened as the favorite. I, I definitely think Oliveira is going to win. Um, the only thing that I can think of is back in the day, Oliveira had issues with some you know some wrestlers back in the day, but he just really hasn't shown that in a while, like in a long time. And I think he's really kind of grown into his own, um, you know, um, especially since he's kind of grown into his manhood at 155 and not, you know, draining himself down to some of those lighter weights. Um, I, I think he still has an issue where he can get touched on the chin and get dropped, but He's always in phenomenal shape. He recovers really fast. And um, Islam doesn't seem like that big of a puncher to me where that would be a worry. So I'm surprised that he opened as a favorite. But to your point, um, so this fight, it wasn't even that I was the most excited about it, but I think it was the right fight to make. And I like the fight. It's not one of those, like, once again, like the, you know, Nate and Kamzat fight both of these gentlemen have a lot to win and lose in this fight. Um, for one, Islam, you know, is undefeated right now, as we know. Uh, so this is a big thing. And this will be by far his biggest test in the UFC. He's jumping over a lot of people to get to this. And Charles Oliveira, I think if he can put this stamp on um, on his title reign, um, he has This would be a big... new title reign. Yeah, he has a big gap in front of him, I think, where he can go on a nice another at least four title defenses five. I just don't see anybody else just looking at that, you know, that top five, top ten that we've talked about that's going to be able to, you know, kind of get through and shake some of the Portiers and the Gaethys and those guys, and we see what he's able to do to them. So I think that's why this fight was logical, but I think if he can get over this one, 
he's really going to put up some numbers. And I, I, I really hate that scale issue because, uh, to your point, it really becomes a new title reign, right? We really can't count it. You know, we have to throw out his other title defenses, um, and start a new one. But I, I see bright skies if he can get past this one. And the more I look at this fight, the more I like the matchup itself. Yeah, I agree. I'm really disappointed now in hindsight. Like, and I mean, I still stand by my opinion of the weight thing. You know what I mean? Of uh, my position on that. But I just really hate that it happened because what Oliveira's doing is really impressive. And I think he beats Islam. And I think he strangles him. And then when you look after this, what's in front of him? He's going to you probably get the Volkanovski fight. I think he, I think he murks him. You know, he probably get a chance yeah. at Connor. I think he beats him. I think not only is he on a run, I think he's, if he could get past Islam, I think he's got some easy, not easy. These guys are all top guys, but I think he's got, everything's falling in place for a long dominant title run that could really yeah. put him in the next stratosphere that we talk about, like uh fighters, like, He's really looked really good in his last few fights. And what he's doing is pretty amazing. Yeah, he really, really started putting it together. And it's funny, like, I, I mentioned, you know, Frankie beating him, you know. Uh, but if you look early in his career, so many people that he lost to that you, you wouldn't guess. And it's funny because um, I forget, I think it was the last UFC event or his one before that. And, um, they were talking about, they were, you know, Paul Felder is one of the, uh, you know, commentators now. And they end up talking to him and it's like, yeah, this is the last man to beat Oliveira. And he TKO'd Oliveira, right? That was a very different Oliveira. And, and uh, you know, and you In look Detroit. at the trajectory. We were there. See, you remember all of this stuff? My memory doesn't work that way, and I had a lot of drinks. So as soon as those fights happened, I was like, oh, that's exciting. Then I forgot every fight, right? So, <laughs> but um, so, you know, when you look at that and you look at the trajectory, that was back in 2017. And since then, he's just slowly put everything together and just went on a great run. Um, you know, even beating some of the people that he lost to previously, like a Jim Miller. But this run that he put on is not only impressive, but he's, in my opinion, beating even higher caliber people than both he beat and lost to before. Um, so, you know, I'm really impressed. And I do think that, to your point, you know, I think that they will end up, if Connor comes back, Connor being Connor he'll probably get a title shot. So that should be an easy win for, um, you know, for, for Oliveira. And, you know, to your point, just some of the other lineups, but then also as some of these other guys beat up each other, they're going to get second shots, right? I don't see the Gaethje fight really going any different. I don't see the Portier fight going. So many of these fights, I really just don't see another fight based on what they have. I don't see the chandler fight going any different so you know just with those three guys alone that's another three title defenses you add connor that's four right i really see that he can put a long string together and um i'm really impressed with how he's been able to turn turn things around one thing i want to touch on because you're talking about the paul felder loss and that was in 2017 which now when you look at that that's now five years ago well, yeah. Oliveira's 32 years old. So that's, you know, he was 27, which that doesn't sound too young, but he was still fairly young. And if you look at his losses, for one, Paul Felder, who's very, very good, is probably the worst fighter he's ever lost to. Like, all of his losses are to, like, yeah. world champions, like, all-time greats. You know what I mean? He he, All his losses are, like, to elite-level guys. Like, he lost to Jim Miller at Cowboy Cerrone. He was, like, 21 years old during those fights. So, that's something when you look at Oliveira's record and you look at his experience. Like, you kind of got to look past some of those losses because he's been at this a long time. And, you know, two things that you said. You talked about settling into this weight class at 155 and not, you know, dehydrating himself. And he's mm -hmm. really starting to look big and strong out there. Yeah. And 
something that you mentioned, which is true, he's got dropped in most of his last few fights. Mm-hmm. So those are loss. Those are losses in some of his fights at 145, where he's dehydrated and he gets dropped and he just don't get up in time. You know, right? At 155, he's getting dropped and then they get over anxious and he ends up choking them out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he still has his his shit together. And you know, when we talk about the dehydration of weight cutting and stuff like that, I think all of that plays into it. The fact that he's he's physically bigger, he's stronger. And the lack of dehydration. He's now eating shots. Yeah, yeah, they drop him or whatever, but he's still in the fight and he still knows what's going on. Those those used to be ones that would end up, you know, costing him fights at one point at 145. Yeah, I totally agree. And and now a lot of times they're almost like flash knockdowns. It's almost like he, for some reason, he doesn't see certain punches coming and they hit him. It's like, it's not even like he's out of it a lot of times. It's just, you know, it's almost like a quick knockdown and then they go to jump in and it's, it's bad for him. But to your point, especially... Well, and he's also been up against a murderer's row of punches. Yes. Like yeah, he's absolutely. been up against some of the yeah. fiercest, fiercest punchers in the lightweight division. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if you just look at also, you know, just his last couple fights, Gaethje, Portier, Chandler... Uh, Ferg, which, you know, he's not known for a big puncher like that, but you'd still got the mixing in the elbows and everything like that. Kevin Lee, like, you know, down the line, you know, some really good strikers, but yeah, Kevin um, Lee's an explosive guy with some power. Yeah, absolutely. But he, um, you know, to your point of kind of the age factor and everything like that, but also when he came into the UFC, you know, um, I don't think his striking was quite as good. And, the striking that he did have, I don't you think he used the mix well enough because I think he really, really just wanted it to get to the ground. Whereas now I think he's a little bit more like how Nate Diaz would talk about, you know, these guys say they want to stand up, but after you tag them a few times, all of a sudden everybody wants to go to the ground and basically now you're in my world. And I think he's put together a really good mix of that either striking really good with guys and then guys come in and he submit them or, um, you know, doing really good striking to get in and then getting it to the ground to take a guy down rather than that simply being the game plan. He lets it come to him, which I think has been huge for him. Anything else before I uh, move on to the next one? No, I think that's it. Okay. So, this is the last topic I really want to touch on, and it was from the event that happened last, um, what is it, was it last Saturday or Saturday before? One of those Saturdays, it was on Daytime. Uh, UFC, UFC on ABC3, yes, it was a terrible time slot, absolutely horrible. I think the, the undercards came on at like 11 a.m. Eastern time, it was terrible, but so we had my, my wife hated it sitting there watching like the <laughs> middle of the day on a Saturday watching UFC fights. And it, it was a card I, you know, kind of dug. So mm-hmm. we watched it all. <laughs> so this was Misha Tate versus Lauren Murphy. And of course, I called for Misha Tate to drop down to 125 because I felt like it was her best path. I felt like the girls at 135 had really just gotten too big, too strong, and too good for her. And I felt like she had a better chance at 125 and could really mix it up with some of those girls to be able to get to a title shot with the best number one champion, Valentina Shevchenko. But that's not what happened on on that that Sunday morning. (laughs) I was highly disappointed and I felt like she looked like she was kind of stuck in mud, like she couldn't start. I want to get your opinion on that fight and how she looked to you and what do you think was going on there? It was a pretty tough fight for me to watch, not just because she lost. I like Misha Tate, but I'm not like a huge fanboy. I mean, I can see her watch her, you know, if she, she could lose fights, that's fine. But it, she just didn't look like herself. So I don't know if it was trouble with the weight cut. I don't know if she had a bad camp. I don't know if she was sick. 
I don't know, but like when you said she looks stuck in mud, she she was fighting how I feel like I fight in dreams, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh it it just I get that Lauren Murphy's strong, you know? And I could see that and I, I knew that going into it. That's a, a strength she brings to the table, but Misha Tate's a world champion from a higher weight division and she just couldn't get anything going from a wrestling standpoint and I like if something was wrong, Misha Tate didn't make excuses and I appreciate that, you know, and that's real championship. But it she didn't look good out there. It didn't look like I I don't just mean good like, you know, trying to to bag on her. I mean it didn't look like her fighting, win, lose, or draw. Yeah. When I say like she looked stuck in mud, it was like especially like she seemed like she didn't even get going until the third round almost like in you know when you would see in boxing when 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 fighters wouldn't warm up and they have a really slow start she looked that way but like not only was her start slow like all of her punches was slow she never had good head movement that's never been one of her strong suits but because she looked so slow it looked way worse and she was getting hit with shots she really should have never got hit with, in my opinion. And everything about her, her movement was like way slower. So to your point, that was one of the things I was wondering. I'm wondering if she, you know, had a bad weight cut or if something else went on or if she had an injury that we didn't know about. But she definitely didn't look like herself. She didn't have the tenacity that she usually has. The only thing I would say that was still cupcake-esque was that she still had a no-quit type attitude in there. At no point did she look like to me she was about to give up or anything like that, even though she was getting tagged and bloody and everything like that. She was still a warrior and a trooper, but that was the only thing that looked like Misha Tate. Nothing about that looked like, you know, what I would have expected, especially the mental edge I felt like she could have brought in there going down in weight and to your point you know being you know ideally the bigger woman from a bigger weight class and a you know world champion uh but i just didn't see any of that 100 percent, and you know it's it's up to her obviously she she could take her career where she wants to go but she took a couple years off. She she wanted to fight again, and we co- you know we've covered all this, so I'll get too deep into it. But it is like a soap opera. We've literally covered her coming out of retirement, the fight, right. the game plan, everything. And I just think, I don't know if she feels like she has something to prove. But you gave it another run. Bantam weight wasn't the answer. He went down a weight. That wasn't the answer. You know, executive PP is a good deal. Maybe just get back in the you know. Yeah. The other side of the business. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm I'm wondering if that's the move. You know, the only other thing I can think of if, you know, if I'm her, if it really was a bad weight cut or something like that, trying that weight class one more time just to see, you know, but it has to be the right matchup, in my opinion, um, to kind of test it out and see. But other than that, you know, you gotta, she can have a career anywhere. Um, I think she's still a pretty girl. She has a good head on her shoulders. She's, you know, she knows how to do commentary. I can see her on a management end. I think she would have a phenomenal, if she ever wanted to get into the podcast where I think she would have a phenomenal podcast that can cross over into many different areas, especially by her being a mom and a fighter and a previous exec. I think there's so many avenues for her to go. Uh, but to your point, I think what a lot of these people is really just the love of the fight, whatever that thing is that they love that draws them back in. But I don't think for any reason, this is something that she has to do, whether it's for money or not, because I think she really could make way more money somewhere else. And could you imagine, could you imagine her having a podcast, right? And then maybe a year or two in it, she convinces Ronda Rousey to come on the podcast and then to have like, ratings. Listen, that would be crazy. I would absolutely watch every single moment of it, right? But yeah, I just think she has her, so many avenues. Her, Ronda, 
and Gina Carano started like the MMA view. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. I will watch that. And like I they all got the like view. different like like uh you know point of views, political opinions, yep. everything. Get the whole yep. range. Just yep. have them out there like. Different paths, different different career paths after, you know, yeah, I I love it. I love it. So that's another thing. We need to jot that down. That's another (laughs) thing that we're putting together. Listen, we're changing the world. The MMA view. Brought to you you by Fat Boy MMA. (laughs) We can put them on the network. Yeah, I'll reach out. I'll have my people reach out to their people. And uh... (laughs) Well, I I think another option, like Misha Tate could really look at it. I know Felice Herrig recently signed with uh, Bare Knuckle Boxing. So damn it, I go. thought we was gonna get one episode <laughs> where it would Felice Herrick versus Misha Tate, one twenty five, bare knuckle boxing. Be there. Oh, listen, you know what? Okay, I do want to throw this in since you brought up bare knuckle. Uh what is what is his name? Oh man. It's a fighter out of Florida. He was he was with MMA Masters for a long time. I think he was even a um I think he was even an ATT guy for a for a while. Um, I'm not sure his ethnicity. He could be Hawaiian or something. He wears like the kind of the braid with the ponytail going back, but he's, he's going to be, I think this Friday he's going for, to try and be the first double champ in bare knuckle. Um, I got to find his name now. Hold on. Let me, let me see if I can find his name really quick. But, um, I remember back in the day he had one of the craziest, um, he had one of the craziest wheel kick knockouts. Uh, BKFC. Well, in the um, <clears throat> he was in the UFC. With, no, he was with um um, where did Gaethje come from? Um, World know, Series of right. Fighting. I think he was with World Series of Fighting back then. Okay, World Series of Fighting. Gotcha. Um, yeah, let me see. Luis Palomino. Okay. Yeah, he um. I really liked him, but he was one of those guys that kind of would look really good and then lose some fights and then look really good. And, you know, he was one of those kind of guys. So I I didn't see him ever kind of making it to the UFC, but he's definitely kind of one of those guys that go out there and, you know, leave it on the line. But yeah, he, he has a chance to be the first uh, double champ in bare knuckle. Uh, I think it's this Friday coming up is when he's fighting. So tomorrow, well, whenever, whenever this comes out, this fight likely will already it, it will have, have happened. just happened. But just know we talked about it <laughs> before. <laughs> hey, we got to look at doing some kind of a live stream for us. Uh, you know, we talked about doing it for a fight one time, but um, the bare knuckle, I'm pretty sure I, I got to look more into it, but I think it's four ninety nine a month and you get all of it for that. So the pay-per-views and everything. I'd be down. I'd definitely be down. And as far as a live event, I'm going to tell you what's funny if I can put enough people together, uh, and when I say enough, me, you, and maybe two other people, I think I'm gonna. I think I want to order and tell everybody to mark their calendars for UFC 280. That's the Oliveira Islam fight. That card has that fight on it: uh, Sterling versus Dillashaw, Peter Yan versus O'Malley, Bilal Mohammed versus Sean Brady, Benil Darius versus Gamra. Like. That card looks insane. You know how some cards look really good, and they—I mm-hmm. would be—I would be highly shocked if that card didn't turn out to be a phenomenal card. That lineup just sounds insane, all on one card. Um, it's, that's it's so funny total. because uh, Tyler just hit me up earlier, <laughs> told mm-hmm. the exact same thing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he might. Hey, Tyler might be. I told you. Hey, we yeah. could get a couple have Tyler uh come out but yeah we'll we'll talk on it but to your point um and you know I really like doing some of the smaller stuff even like when I actually tweet and stuff like that it's usually not the UFC or anything like that I like it for the smaller events or the things that are not as big and well known uh but yeah you know we might have to become the official home of uh one and bare knuckle and uh you know I might have to live tweet all the fights <laughs> Okay, anything else before we wrap it up? No, that's it. You keep throwing too many topics at me. You know I can't uh <laughs> I can't multitask. You make the more things you make me do, the more things I'm just gonna do poorly. 
it all works out at the end, you know, with the magic of editing and everything like that, nothing else matters. <laughs> all right, everybody. That wraps up another episode of the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. Thank you for listening. Come again. That wraps up another Fat Boy MMA Podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at fatboymma55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on one of our social media platforms. You can find the links to all of our socials by going to links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening and look out for the next episode. Thank you.